0: Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah.
1: Welcome Home Radio. The waters in the mortgage industry can be pretty muddy, whether it's investing, leasing, renting, home insurance, or myths and misconceptions. Welcome Home Radio has the answers for you, the consumer. And now, to help you make the right home buying decision for you and your family, here are your hosts,
2: Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. It is November 30th. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And as we've been talking about, if you've seen any of my videos in reference to what is a loan application, a basic loan application, no matter who you work with, is going to look at four key things. Credit qualifying, income stability, asset affordability, and finally collateral. Well, today we want to talk about credit qualifying. And we have with us a professional in the credit industry, Nathan Biller, White and Jacobs. Glad to have you here, Nathan. So glad you're back with us again. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be back uh, talking about credit. There you go. Well, we are excited to hear about some of the new things with credit that are going to help or hurt our clients, our potential clients, because we want to get them pre-approved. Any good realtors going to want before Alan goes out and starts shopping for homes for you. He wants to know that you can afford the the home you're looking for, and that means getting pre-approved, and that means pr- going to be a hard pull on your credit for everyone that's on the mortgage. And so we want to understand what are those things that really help us to get credit qualified, and what are the golden nuggets you can share new with us this year? What's changing in the industry? We're coming at the end of 2022. I know there's some changes coming up in 2023 as well, so... I'm going to turn it over to you.
3: Help us understand and learn. Thank you, Blair. Well, the, the main point I want to make is that there's not a lot that's actually changed. There's a lot of discussion about things that may change or could change or should change. But as of today, the way that you get approved is based um, on the same information and on a lot of the same Uh, algorithms and such that was the case, you know, five, 10 years ago.
2: So you're telling me we should have changed the title to shoulda, coulda, woulda. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
3: Well, I think when I talk to people now, a lot of times, and maybe that's true, a lot of times people are assuming that things are going to change or have already changed in the near future. And it takes time. You know, there was quite a lot that was codified, um, you know, around 2008. Um, when things in the mortgage industry kind of got solidified uh, to a certain degree. And so there's going to take quite a lot of uh, not only um, time, but also effort to drastically change the way people get approved for a mortgage loan.
2: Now, one of the things you've recently told me, and, and, and this just happened with this election, it's kind of funny to me. Uh, there, our government gave some loan forgiveness.
3: Well, that was I the plan. Believe- <laughs>
2: Uh, I believe it was stopped. And I believe the federal does shut it down. But things like this, people automatically think, well, that's taken care of, or that's taken care of. Uh, In fact, I had a, a client that had their tax returns withheld to pay for student debt. And now they're trying to get it because it's still on their credit report. What can they do about things like this?
3: Yeah, a lot of my uh, clients uh, assumed that their student debt was going to be partially or fully forgiven. And it seems like that is not imminent and that may never happen. And so assuming that that's going to go away um, is a false assumption. And the other part of this is that starting in January, those payments are going to be um, required again in order to keep these accounts current. And so there are going to be many people across the country that have uh, communication from these student loan servicers to make a payment that they're going to ignore, either because they're used to not having to make payments over the last couple years due to the deferment or forbearance that was in place or because they assume this debt was going to be forgiven. And they're going to have new late payments. And those late payments are going to impact them significantly when they go to try to buy a new uh, house.
1: So we got Tom,
2: Let's let's Tom, let's talk about this because I think this is going to be an issue. Right now, whether we're working with Fannie or Freddie, we're working with either 1% or a half a percent of the loan, student loan debt as a liability. But as we come up and this this student debt turns into a collection, how does that change that student debt on our on the liability side of the house? Does it go to a five percent liability cost on a collection status of student debt or does it stay at one point half or uh, you know one percentage point
0: tom can you hear me i can hear you it's my dog oh you're asking me what it's going to i'm come. asking you what's going I don't to know happen Danny and freddie are going to do are you trying to get me to be mind reader here Yes, I am. I thought you were asking Nathan. What's it going to be on his credit report?
2: Oh, no, I to want to road. know from our loan application. How much is that going to change if it was up to date and it's we're only working with one percent or a half a point? It's going to stay. Posted- where
0: it, it's going to stay where it is right now. I haven't seen any releases as far as changing it from the perspective uh, of debt. Keep in mind, student. Uh, if as long as it's on the report. That's what we're going to have to base our factual data on. I mean, until it's removed, it's there. And Unless, that, that, that was always before forgiveness and sure. everything else that, now, you know, that, that wasn't going to happen. So they're going to use the same formulaic way to approaching. Is it being paid? Is it in deferment? And those students, those, well, those. let's take it one step further.
2: There's one more option. And that's what I'm asking you. If it comes out of deferment, comes out of, and and it's being paid, it's not being paid, it goes to collections. What does the liability impact hit your loan application at that time once it goes into collection?
0: Well, it's going to be a defaulted student loan. You're not going to get any VA FHA ever until it's caught up. And then with Fannie Mae, they've got a little different guidance, but it's still going to be effectively, you're not paying a government debt. So you have to get it into a payment program of some sort before we
2: can buy, okay.
0: Now now I'm following. Okay, you could have just asked that. I could have said
2: (laughs) Okay, it's all on me. I understand. I wasn't here. Okay. Sorry, (laughs) I didn't ask the question That's the way it should be. (laughs) So again, I think this is critical to what you were saying, Nathan, is if it goes into collections, we literally can't do a mortgage with any of those programs until those get back into a prepayment payment plan of some sort. So I think that's critical. Our listeners understand that. Now there were some things changing. You're saying on the FICO 2004 side that if medical collections was below a certain amount, they're going to be totally deleted. forgotten. um,
3: Sometime in 2023, I don't know the specific date, but by the middle of the year, it should be the case that any, um, Medical collections under $500 should not be reported on any credit reports. So $500 or less medical collections, they're literally dropped. They'll fall off. Yeah, just like anything currently that's been paid has fallen off. It'll be the same for anything under $500 sometime by the middle of next year.
2: And so that doesn't that doesn't drag down or pull down the credit scores for these people.
3: Well, yeah, because obviously now when you see medical collections, there is some impact in the score. If those fall off, then they'll no longer be part of that calculation. So, so that it's way, like a paid
2: delete. It's gone. It's right. it's not even historically there. Correct. That's huge now. Mm-hmm. And you said you don't know when, but at least by May or
3: June, yes. this should take place. Right. There's um There's some talk about changing the algorithm that is used for mortgage applications. There's talk about either including the Vantage score 4.0 or changing the FICO model to FICO 10 at some point, which includes trended data. There's a lot of articles and discussion about that. The way I look at it, I would not even anticipate anything like that happening in the near future because, like I said, it's so tedious to get those changes made. Um, And so people that are assuming these things are imminent, I would say, are probably uh, jumping the gun a little bit. And the way we're looking at things is the traditional, um, you know, FICO uh, 245 model that we've been looking at for the mortgage scores.
2: And Tom, you would agree with that, right? There's no other changes that you're hearing about FICO 2004 coming down the pike.
0: No, I, I think the, the one thing Nathan brings up is the student debt thing. I, I'm sorry. The medicals is is a huge deal, Um I, uh, and that that's long overdue, I think, with regards to the industry and, and its impact that it's had on us previously. So uh, I'm not aware of any other kind of major changes besides that, which I'm kind of looking forward to because I'm still in a dispute with my daughter's doctor about care that she was unaware of that she was providing that was costly and not covered with her insurance. Which doctors should have are culpable in these cases that they should know, you know, that or at least say, now this may not be covered with your insurance. So the bar, so she could have said, well, let's wait. Let me see if it is or not. I think people are becoming more aware of that with regards to their medical bills that, you know, stuff is covered and stuff isn't covered. And when it's not covered, it can be just out the window as far as
3: coming back to bite you later. It can
2: be a shocker, that's for sure.
3: Yeah. It's still my understanding that any um, medical collections above 500 will still report per usual uh, moving forward. So you may see um, doctors, hospitals, bundling these charges as opposed to making them different line items. Oh, so you have interest collections that may be more uh, that, above the that's 500. That's what's going to happen. I'll tell yeah. you right now, yeah. you
1: yeah. just nailed it. That's what's going to happen, the bundle thing.
2: I was not expecting that. Well, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, is that 500 per trade line? And then you could have four trade lines at 400 and they're all forgiven. Or like you say, they're going to bundle them and supposed. And these collection companies, I mean, medical institutions don't hold on to their bills. They they sell them as quickly as possible. So it's going to be these collection companies if they can bundle them or not. Is that
1: correct?
3: Well, yes, but they would have to, I think legally they have to purchase the debt as one transaction. So they would have to buy multiple for one individual from one provider and bundle that as a a lump sum enabled in order to report it as a a amount above 500.
1: So if you're watching the show right now and you're an average person, and I know we're talking about the medical thing, which is 2023 projected, but the student things going on now, the up, down, the yes, no, the might happen, ain't going to happen Things. So what do you tell people that want to buy a house and they're at dinner with each other and they go, my God, we have student debt. We can't buy a house. Aren't you watching the news? What would you tell somebody watching our podcast right now? What would, where should they start? How would they go to get the process started about can I buy a home or not?
3: Yeah, there's, there's two types of student debt as far as we see it. There's debt that is in a repayment plan that is being actively paid. Now, that's not necessarily going to change because of the deferment. It just means payments are going to be expected. But those people that haven't been making payments are typically still in good standing because they've been given this deferment period that's going to expire and then they're going to begin to make payments. Uh, That's one category. And for people in that situation, the most important thing is to be aware of any communication that's being provided you uh, either emailed or mailed from your loan servicer so that you don't miss an upcoming payment and if the payment terms need to be adjusted through consolidation or through some kind of a a refinance that's okay but you just want to stay current you don't want to be in um, default on your student loans if you're already in default and you're already in a position where you weren't making payments or stop making payments prior to the time when the forbearance kicked in, then you want to be definitely doing something to get into an active repayment program. Um, typically, that's through a consolidation. Um, that's something you know I can help you with, but it's all available on the uh, Student Aid website. You can get into a repayment program where you make a certain number of qualifying payments, and then you're taken out of a default status, and those loans are transferred to a positive status, and that then helps not only with Um, being in good standing on your student loans but it will help with credit as well because it's no longer negative accounts solely based on student loans there's also the positive accounts that you've worked to actively recoup through this consolidation
1: that's great information for the public because I think one gets a sense this student debt is out of sight out of mind sometimes too I got to go to work I got a family blah, blah blah, all this other stuff I think that is probably going on would you agree
3: oh for sure and people typically put that debt at the bottom of the totem pole when they're talking about prioritizing paying off accounts, um, mostly because the interest rates are, are typically relatively low compared to a lot of other debt. The problem is when, it go, when you go to try to get a pre-approval, they're looking at that debt in a very similar way to everything else. So you can't just put that in a bucket and say, I'm not going to worry about that because it can affect you in a significantly negative way both from a debt perspective, but also from a credit perspective.
2: Very true. Very, very true. Nathan, what else would be the number one thing right now that is holding back people besides student debt? Is it revolving credit cards? Is it what could it be from your perspective since you deal with so many different credit bureaus and credit clients? What would be that one thing?
3: It is absolutely um, high balances on revolving accounts. Uh, and what I mean by that is the combination of inflation plus the uh, holidays coming up, uh, plus the fact that people are um, you know, making assumptions about other debts that they feel like may be forgiven, that's focused all of their um, resources into uh, expenses that they're they're putting on their credit cards. And so when I have people come through our program mm-hmm. We can have success getting negative accounts that are inaccurate or unverifiable removed from the report. But if they have high ratios on their credit cards that are in a position where they're not gonna be paid down in a short period of time, it's very difficult for them to get approved because of the the impact that has on their credit score.
2: I think that's a very critical golden nugget that anybody can take away. And I'm trying to, to do that in my own little individual videos. But you're explaining something, you can you can be up to date on revolving debt and still hurt your credit score. And for the fact of if your maximum qualified debt is 30% or greater, it's going to negatively impact you in some case, uh, even though you're on time. And so example, real quick off the top of my head, a thousand card limit, thousand dollars, If you've got anywhere between 45, 50% on up, it's considered maxed out and therefore negatively impacting you, even though you're paying on time. And most people don't understand that, but that's an impact that, like you say, Nathan, if we can just get those cards to 30% or 25% of the value of the max value of the card, it always is better. And therefore that's why I always ask for an increase every year, once a year, on both of my cards, it always helps. There's two ways to attack it: pay it down or increase the limit. Right, so I think that's a golden nugget here. Would you agree? Is that something how you would put it?
3: Yes. the The situation sometimes is uh, such that the individual is not able to pay down a significant portion in a short period of time, um, but that's that's a snowball effect because as these balances increase. With the interest rates typically being very high, the amount you're paying towards the interest makes it very difficult to pay it down if you don't have the financial means. And I can't tell you how many times people come to me, and I'm sure come to you, and they want to do some kind of cash out refinance option to pay down their credit card debt, but they're not able to because of the catch 22 of having that debt, making their scores so low that they may not get approved. Um, for what they're looking for, so it's it's a difficult situation for some people financially. But every little bit helps. If you're at 90% and you get down to 80%, you will see uh, significant improvement. If you can get down to 50%, same thing. If you can get down to 30%, even better. It's it's something where you've got to build up towards it. Um, and you know, if we want to talk about ways to manage debt. Um, that's something that, you know, we communicate with our clients. But at the end of the day, if those balances are high, your scores are not going to be where you want them to be. How about just stop spending money?
1: Yeah. <gasps> this well, do you have yeah, to the do? grocery well, store. Then, uh, do?
0: <laughs> let's give up capitalism.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk of, about
2: uh, capitalism and inflation right now. Right. So uh, that's yeah. interesting. Now, one of the other things, we've talked about student debt. we talked about revolving credit cards. What is that third key item that you think people ignore or are not aware of that impact their credit qualifying capability?
3: I think that um, people are typically in a position where they feel like if they have the bare minimum number of accounts that they've had open, that that's a good thing. And, and that's not necessarily the case. I know we just talked about um, not spending money. But you have to have some kind of a credit profile in order to have a g- great to very good credit score, and that means you need to have use of your credit. You need to have loans for things like automobiles, um, student loans, credit cards. There has to be something there. Those- I thought you meant the profile. I thought <laughs> there are people that have decent credit that have very little on there, but there's nobody that has excellent credit that has minimal history over the last seven years. And keep in mind, this is all updating every seven years. So you could have had great credit a decade ago, and now you have almost nothing on there. And the less you have on there, the more that things are going to impact you that that appear. So if you have a high balance on a credit card or you have a collection, you're going to see a much bigger hit initially than somebody that's got, you know, 10 open credit cards and seven car loans in the last 10 years. So It's kind of, you know, credit is a double edged sword. And sometimes if you have too much credit, that looks bad. But at the same time, if you have credit, meaning open accounts that you've managed properly over the last five to seven years, you're going to have a much better credit score than somebody that's had very little use of their credit.
1: So you're not telling people to keep a balance in all of them. You're just saying don't have just one credit card.
3: You want to have multiple accounts open. The balances I'm not concerned about, but you do want to keep them open as long as possible. Things like a student loan or a car loan eventually are going to close, but I recommend clients never close a credit card, even if it's something you opened for $200 seven you know, seven years ago that you don't use. The longer these things stay open, the more positive history you're building, the better your credit scores will be.
2: Now, I'm going to share a little tidbit. I think it's a golden nugget from the lending side. Tom, you can double check me if you'd like, but when you're looking at rates and you're looking at the people who get the best things from a lender in the sense of the top creditors, 350 or 850, even though it's being the best score, one, I've never seen 850, 832 is the highest I've ever seen, but 780 is where they stop giving. Everything from 780 above, you get the best of every everything from everyone, insurance, automobile, mortgages credit cards. Uh, there's really no use to shoot for 800, 825, 815, 780 is what we shoot for. Is that correct, Tom, in the mortgage world at least? You get the best for well, 780. I
0: shoot for 800
2: because I'm an overachiever. Well, we understand that. And that's why your profile shiny on one side and dark on the other right now.
1: <laughs> you Put your own picture up there and say, hey,
0: <laughs> pretty fair. Pretty fair. Thank you.
2: But 780,
0: 780 is that touch point though. You've got that pretty correct. Yeah.
1: So
2: that's where shooting for if you want the best rates, 780, 781, needs to be the middle score. That's the other key point here. Don't make it the top score, make it the middle score because we throw the high and the low out. I love I love this experience boost thing. Oh, yeah, I boost my credit with experience. It only that affects one, one, one bureau. That's it. So um Make, make it the middle score.
1: How do you see people? I mean, what's the most – I don't even know, but what's the most common way that people – I like your expression, shoot for. You know, the, you're shooting for 780, I think is what you said. So what when people call you, Nathan, and you say 780 is where it kicks in or whatever, um, do they come to you having any idea what to shoot for or how to shoot or – and somebody well, that doesn't come to you that you just talk to at dinner. Do they ever talk about, do I have to shoot for a certain number or something?
3: Yeah. I mean, when I'm dealing with individuals, they're coming from a lot of different starting points. So anyone that's below a 640, we're trying to get to a 640. So if you're in the 400s, 500s, low sixes, we're trying to get you at least to a 640 as quickly as possible, just so you have opportunities to get approved for anything. And then we can do 580, 580, obviously, if if they're in between was great. But, you know, let's shoot for 640 and see where we land. Now, those people that are already in that position, we want to at least get them to a, a 720 minimum and ideally a 780 for what Blair was discussing. So how do you get from a 645, 650 to a 720, 780? Now, the people that are already at the 720 to 780 range that want to go to the 800s. I'll explain to them what that's going to take. But most of the time, that's going to take time. There's not going to be a quick fix to get to jump up 60 points from a 780 to an 840 or whatever that would be. That's just not the way the credit score algorithm works. So there are things you can do. And obviously, this is always updating on a constant basis, but it's not going to happen overnight. And that's more talking about things like maintaining significant number of open accounts, making sure that you've got very minimal, if any, balances on revolving over a long period of time. There's a lot of things that go into that, but most people are not in that position. Most of the people I talk to are trying to go from low to good or from good to great. And there are things that can be done very quickly to get you to that position. Um, You know, interest rates, as they are, which you guys discuss in detail on other shows, you know, that just makes it that much more important that the higher your score is, the more opportunity you're going to have to take advantage of, um you know dips or um value that shows in the market
1: well that's interesting because you know Blair I guess it would be fair to say then when somebody comes to you and you give them a you know pre-approval at a certain rate that discussion's been had on yeah you could actually get a better rate if we did this and so that's part of your conversation daily basis right with the 700 it used used to be
2: It used to be, yes, we could get you a better rate if you had a better credit score. Now I can get you a better cost at that rate for the credit score as opposed to moving. You know, if you want to move to a better rate, you're just going to spend more money no matter what score you're at now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that is a conversation. When I refer somebody to Nathan for his professional expertise, I always give him, here's this person, here's where we're at, but here's the score we want to get to for this loan program we've discussed, whether it's just to get them to 580 so they can just buy a home barely, or whether it's 600, 620. It's increments of 20 for the most part, but the big jumps, as Nathan has said, 640, 720, 780. Those are the big impactful two rates, as well as cost, all of that. So just to be clear, is the is the,
1: the the new 640, the 580,
2: well, uh, no. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the the programs that are available that kick in certain advantages start at 640, yes. 580 is just where you're – I can do still do 580. In fact, I can still do VA at less than 580, but it's just going to cost a lot more. I mean, those, lo- those programs are available, but you really don't want to pay for that. If you have that much money, I'd put it toward getting a better credit score instead of a home. But – and I, have,
3: I have to coach people on not being so focused on the rate and being more focused on what value are you um you know getting in this in this sale because that price is not going to change what you're paying for that house, you're paying for that house. The rate can change in the future. So let's focus on getting you approved and getting a good deal on on the loan. And then the rate right can be financed at any point in the future. It's kind of like your statement, Alan. Love the home, date the rate.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've been putting that out there a lot, <laughs> and I'm getting right to the point. <laughs> That's right. Did you
2: come on, Tom? Did you like that one? Yeah, I like
0: that one. <laughs> Gosh, what does Alan do in his spare time? Write all these things down. Yes, where do you, where do we find all this on your blog.
1: I'm uh, I'm taking notes right now, and Nate, I got. Well, I tell you, I got some good talking points from this show already.
2: Okay. We always have fun with Nathan. (laughs) Nathan, um, one of the things that I find, um, I, I think that's a golden nugget. The people that have helped their children to get credit early have been the people that have signed them on as authorized user on their card, but actually don't let them have a card. Mm -hmm. They get the parents' history, they get the parents' look and feel, and that helps with their credit immediately. But you don't want them spending money and learning on your card, your good credit. You give them that small 200 limit card and let them experience it with that one. But it really helps to have authorized users on cards like that. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, you can, and this may be something that most people are aware of, but you can add any individual as an authorized user on most um, credit card accounts, and they get the benefit on their credit report uh, in a short period of time of the history of the account, not only the current status, but the previous status for the last seven years. So you can have a pretty good credit profile just based on authorized user accounts. Now, you're not going to go to the top tier of scores because you do need to obviously have your own accounts uh, of different types, but that is a excellent way to start building somebody's credit is add them as an authorized user on accounts that you have. That can help jumpstart. It
1: It really works. It's a good starter point. You can walk in and get the car pretty easy and uh, a decent rate. So your cost, whatever you want to call it.
2: Yeah. That's the way to jumpstart some children. Um, I don't recommend it for, I recommend it for those kids that are living in your house under your home. If they're outside of your home and your rules, then I just don't want to give them my card and access. <laughs>
3: so, yeah. you uh, you can you can you know withhold the card and keep it yourself or chop it up, or you can give it to them and you know you'll just want to monitor that on a pretty daily basis to see how things are going. You know, but they, well,
1: but if I did it once, shame on me, or whatever. If you did it twice, shame on me. So if somebody really screws up one time, yeah, you gotta pay it. But then you take that card away, and you're you're you know. You well, you gotta take off.
2: them off the account because even yeah. though you may not give them a card, they can still call up the creditor and get one themselves. They're authorized user; they mm-hmm. can ask for a card. So again, these kids are not knowledgeable on what their resources are. If you do, my do dad that,
0: told me to go to Sears and get Sears card. Can we do that? That's the best way.
2: Um, well, is is Sears around anymore? <laughs> no. No,
1: but Discover is, and that's where I got my Discover. <laughs> yeah, I think that's
0: moving up after you get your Sears
2: card. Your daddy
1: called me, too, and he gave me some great advice, Tom. <laughs> okay,
2: so so let's go around the room here. Tom, your first card was from Sears Roebuck, clearly. Mine was first from Monkey Wards, of course.
0: That's the other choice. Where, where was yours, Alan? Uh, American know. Express because
1: <laughs> well, that, that, I'm a realtor true. yeah I don't know you're talking about gas cards too first credit card in your name I'm gonna say it was the Discover card when they first in fact I had one of the very first Discover cards I got it in
2: 1985 O-O-O-O-O-O-O-1.
1: it was a lot of O's I'm telling you it was O everywhere <laughs>
0: It had to start with a six. Nathan, what was your first credit card in your name?
3: I got a BBVA card when I was in college. BBVA. They, C- they, came, to car-
0: they came to campus and signed yeah. you up, they signed me they? up. I didn't even know what
3: I was good. <laughs> I knew I had a 2000. That, that blows
0: card. me away. That blows yeah. me away. That. The good part about
1: getting Discover as your first card is nobody took it. Nathan, did you, did you get a free
3: t-shirt with that first one? I got a, a free t-shirt and I was entered in a raffle. So it was a win-win for me. Man. Uh, the problem was I didn't know how to uh, pay it down initially. So um, I learned, learned a lot of lessons in the first couple of years on campus.
2: I bet you did. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> hey, listen, please, if you're listening, like us, share us. If you have questions about credit, credit qualifying for a mortgage or for any type of credit application, Credit qualifying is a critical piece that you need to understand. And guess what? You can handle 75%. You control that credit score with your activity, how you manage your credit. If you go nuts, that's on you. But if you don't and you want to have a good score to help you out, buy your first car, get your student debt, possibly have a mortgage, all of these things, it's up to you. 75% of that score is really your lifestyle and and focus. But Nathan is here to help you. If it, you had a bad start, you had a problem. Nathan, how can they get a hold of you real quick?
3: Yeah, I'm uh, with White Jacobs and Associates. Um, you know, my uh, cell phone number's uh, listed there 940 613 I know it seems daunting to try to reach out to a credit expert about your credit. It's not that kind of conversation at all. It's very casual. Most people just want to know where they stand. And between Blair and myself, um, that can be uh, discussed pretty easily, and you can get a good idea of what you need to do to start improving um, from where you're starting.
2: And one of those things that I always share with people is, look, I made a lot of financial poor decisions, and I've been through bankruptcy, and guess what? There is light at the end of the tunnel. My scores are now in the 800s. Uh, I'm very blessed by that, but the bottom line is I had to learn it the hard way. Please don't learn it the hard way. Take time, Take to learn those key steps that we'd be glad to help you. And if you're looking for a mortgage, you're looking for a home, your team here at Welcome Home Radio wants to help you. Any other final questions or thoughts, gentlemen?
1: Now, my, my only thing I was going to say is to follow up on yours, I hear a lot. I, I can't buy a house. I'm like, I look online at those credit score places. I, I'm not even close. And I say, listen, you got to start. You've got knowledge is power you got to start somewhere. And that's why I love this show. When Nathan's on, um, it's, it's not like you said, daunting. It's, it's an easy, simple conversation and trust me, knowledge is power, especially when it comes to your credit. So get started. Don't be afraid to look and don't trust that website to tell you what your financial future is. Why would you do that? No, call Nathan.
2: Yeah. How do you eat the elephant in the room?
0: One bite at a time. So well, uh, I was going to say start with the trunk, but anyway. <laughs> well, guys,
2: always enjoy it. Nathan, thank you for being here. My name's Blair Thomas.
1: And I'm Tom Holm. I'm Alan Pace. Thanks for joining us.
2: God bless. Thanks for joining us. Take care.